0: Are here with Jamie Smith right and we basically have invited Jamie on because she was one of the main organizers of the Black Lives Matter protest uh, I guess we're actually referring to it as a march because it wasn't uh, an antagonistic event it was a peaceful march that happened here in Tokyo two Sundays ago and um, it was organized in a very short amount of time by Jamie and some other individuals and it was really successful there was a huge turnout I think some media outlets reported like 3.5 thousand people. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not, but it felt like a lot, so I'd believe it. And um, obviously, this all happened in the wake of the killing of George Floyd in the United States, um, which is tragic circumstances. But it's personally, for me, been really impressive how there's been organization even over here on the other side of the globe. And um, Ramsey and I both participated in the march. And like I said, it was all sort of thanks to Jamie and some other organizers. So we wanted to invite her on and hear from her about. Not just her story in Japan, but you know her motivations and the process of organizing it, yeah. and where to go from here. So, um, if you don't mind, maybe just give some background yeah. on who you are, why you're here in Tokyo, all that. Yeah, sure.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. Um, yes, my name is Jamie Smith. I am originally from uh, Maryland in the United States, and I've been in Japan for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, three years in July, yes. Uh, I originally came on the JET program, mm. and oh, nice. I lived in Tokushima Prefecture for two years.
0: I heard it's awesome there. Yeah.
1: I, yes, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Love it. And Aodori? I don't know if you're... Aodori.
0: I don't know. I've don't never know been, but I just heard it's great. Where is it? Is
2: it in Tokushima?
1: It's in Tokushima. It's Tokushima's uh, Oban dance. Okay. Um cool. And yeah, huge festival. Oh, sweet. Lovely. Participated each year. And then after um, my two years in Tokushima, um, I decided that I wanted to kind of like pursue modeling. So I moved to here to the Tokyo area.
0: Cool. That's awesome. So that's what you're doing here now.
1: Yes. So so I kind of describe myself as like a serial part-timer. Okay. Like I I do marketing and I teach art.
0: There is a, a huge culture of that, like, serial part-time <laughs> here. Like, free top? Is yeah. that what you yeah. describe yourself as? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah. Um, yeah, marketing, teach art, and cool. model. Yeah.
2: Very cool. Oh, sweet. Multi-talented. Pretty, yeah, pretty
3: sweet gig. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. Us, too. We're
2: models. And- yeah. <laughs> <Can you laughs> tell?
0: This is just a I- platform for our modeling yeah. <laughs> career. Yeah. I-, I-, I could believe it. No, no, no. Thanks. Um, I don't want to find out if you're joking or not. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we'll just move on from there. But Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So, I mean... um. We sort of share that in common, all three of us actually. Like, we're not all we're, we're all sort of moved past the stage of what initially brought us to Japan. Yeah. Me and um, I mean, Ramsey have been in Tokyo since we came here, basically. But that's really cool that you got to live in a little bit more rural area. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the jet program, but you don't get to pick where you live.
2: Yeah. No. I'm. I almost yeah. applied actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are the first like the first gig that i heard about that was possible to move to japan it was like a uh, jet program it was like that's the only way to move to japan <laughs> yep. and obviously there's other ways but uh, that was the one that i think was most known to me
1: yeah it's it's definitely considered probably the nicest <laughs> right. yeah. way to move to japan it was kind of what was peddled uh, like uh given to us as an opportunity when i was in university like hey oh, cool you know, you you want to move to Japan, then yeah. you should try applying for the debt program, but it's really hard to get
3: in, so yeah, good yeah. luck. It is yeah. very
0: prestigious. It was one of the main things I was considering when I was doing Japanese studies as an undergrad. And w- w- Were you also doing Japanese studies? No,
1: my okay. study was completely, like, not about Japan at all. I was a graphic design major. Okay. But I've always had a love of Japan, so, right. yeah. Yeah,
0: for obvious nice. reasons. There's huge fashion culture here. And, yeah, and,
2: yeah. I mean, the only thing to be interested here is clearly just anime, so <laughs> you know, if you're not here for anime, then I don't this know This is what actually I mean. a Sailor Moon themed podcast, we just didn't want to spring it on oh, you. Oh, I didn't watch that one. Yeah, <laughs> no, so we were about to bust out our cosplays in the closet right there.
0: <laughs> cool. Okay, awesome. So, um, you yeah. know, you've been here three years, started out in Tokushima teaching English as part of the JET program, uh, came to Tokyo to pursue modeling, and you're doing some other things like marketing, and um, obviously you're black. And so this is, you know, what happened in the United States recently is a relevant issue Mm -hmm. for reasons that we probably don't even need to rehash. But I guess I'm sort of interested in, you know, were you involved in any activism before recent killing or
1: No, it wasn't. Um this was actually my first time mm-hmm. ever involved in activism. Um it's oh, f- Yeah, it's sweet. funny that you say that yeah. because I actually big
2: thing to start yeah. off with.
1: Yes, it is and I had a lot of friends back home, some of my closest friends, they messaged me and they're like, "Wow, Jamie, we never really thought you cared." <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, honestly like so I guess if we're being totally honest like the other organizer that you worked with, Sierra, she's had a lot of face time in the media recently as she's been framed as sort of a main organizer and um, yeah. I worked with you guys a little bit online. Uh, I was part of like the translation team and I even had some input on the de- design team and I was really humbled to play any sort of small part. But I saw that you were spending at least as much time as her, like you were definitely one of the main people at the helm of organizing this movement. And um, like I also said earlier, it was it, the outcome was really impressive. So, how did you end up being, like, one of the lead roles?
1: Um, so, Sarah, I know Sierra personally. We're okay. friends. Um. Her, she's really big on Instagram mm. and also just in the, on the Harajuku scene. Okay. And so, when I moved to this area, I the first thing I wanted to do was kind of get involved with the Harajuku scene. Right? Oh, okay. And I thought that would be, like, a really difficult thing, but... It, it's not you know everyone is really friendly you just yeah. kind of show up on the street and oh, if you're wow. in in the fashion everyone's kind of like oh hi you know yeah i'm so and so nice to meet you and That's then pretty sick. yeah it's really nice and then her being one of the few if not only like prominent black women on the harajuku scene mm-hmm. you know it was it was kind of inevitable that I would i would end up meeting her yeah but she was super nice and we hung out Uh, When it came to the march, I actually wasn't there initially, so she had done one, she's a college student, and she had done one Mm -hmm. with some college friends, Um, just kind of about 10 people walking around Harajuku with some signs, and she talked about it in um, a Facebook group, so... Um, I, you know, online, we often have our own circles for mm. like black people and black women specifically. So mm. she had posted about it and, um, me and a lot of other people were like, Hey, if you could do this again, we'd like to join you. Um, and she was asked to make a group. Okay. And, uh, that night there were about 50 people in the Facebook group. And from the get go, I think she had decided that this wasn't going to be some haphazard thing
3: yeah
1: um she wanted organization and she wanted literature like mm-hmm. done and made Yeah. so she wanted a design team right off the back and you know she knows that you know i'm a graphic designer by trade and when i expressed my interest in helping she asked me to lead the design team awesome. oh sick and i was like okay i <laughs> i'd never led a team before of yeah. you know anything um So, yeah, uh, we kind of got a Facebook Messenger group and all of a sudden I have like 15, 20 people behind me and she's like, hi, so you're going to be the design team and here's your leader.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're starting to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Cool.
0: So I'm thinking like you said there was maybe 50 people in that group um, all of a sudden, like after she decided she wanted to sort of grow it beyond this initial 10 person movement. I think that. Obviously exploded really quickly because if I'm thinking back to when I found out about the Facebook group and I got involved I think it was about two weeks before the March happened So this whole like snowball effect where the group Spiraled to like a thousand plus people that all I watched that all happen over the course of I think two weeks and when I joined There were like a hundred people so I don't know or remember who like my initial like uh, first point of contact was that invited me to the group, but I assume that jump from 10 to 50 to 100 happened in, like, a night or two. Yeah, Yeah, it it was... It was pretty explosive.
1: Yeah, when we woke up, like, the next morning, it was at, like, 300 people. And I don't know if it was, like kind of lack of not knowing how to use a Facebook group, but it was public initially. That's yeah. what
0: happened. Yeah, of, yeah, so
1: everyone was just inviting everyone else, to, you know, like and yeah. they're, they're like, come be a part of this. And we were like, oh my god. That's awesome. Right?
2: <laughs> the expat group in, in Tokyo is like, surprisingly small. Like, you always know somebody that knows somebody, right? Yeah, right. And you you have friends in, like in places that you're not completely aware about. So, like, I when I joined the Facebook group, like, I think I, jo- I joined it because of the, because t- I just graduated from Temple. So, I think the first group that she posted it to was the uh, TUJ students page mm-hmm. on Facebook. And so, I joined the group and it was just, like, 30 people. Um, and, yeah, it, it was, like, and then, like, the next thing I know, there was a couple hundred and then a couple thousand. And yeah. then, like, you know, like, I'm like, holy crap. Where now, are these
0: there's a ton. From? I think it got, yeah, like, the page itself is so big now that I think they, like, uh, implemented some administrative like controls yeah. you know you can't just post whatever you want now yeah
3: yeah
1: we had to do that pretty quickly um, a big pro a, a, a problem we foresaw was kind of like trolls because mm. the group was mm. so open and there were a lot of people worried about their visa statuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's true. As soon as it was available, Facebook limits you to, like, three days. But as soon as we, it was available, we kind of closed it down. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we do have a post, like, approval system. That's like, probably a good thing. It, yeah. it <laughs> is. <laughs> really good
2: yeah. Now, based off your experience uh, of, like, dealing with this whole organization of the, the march, do you think that whole, like, the worries, people's worries about visas being revoked, do you think that's an, uh, a serious concern in Japan? Just people posting on some Facebook group or having their pictures shared just from Peaceful March, do you think that's an actual concern?
1: I don't think that's an actual concern, um, especially not with this. I know that depending on what time of history, you know, you're looking at, activism in Japan either has a good or, like, negative... Light, Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of the examples where people were talking about, oh, you know, people's visas didn't get renewed and things like that. Um, So I want to make it clear, as far as I'm aware, no one's ever been uh, deported for their activism. What I have heard about is visas not being renewed. But in those cases... In those cases, it was always activism against the Japanese government. Right,
0: it was more antagonistic. Yeah,
1: it, yeah so it was things like Vietnam War or like Sea Shepherd. I hear their visas don't get renewed very often. Yeah, because so. they're
0: seen as a fringe group that's like borderline. Te- I've heard the word terrorist right. yeah. used with them. So wow. yeah, I
1: mean. Ter- terrorist gets uh, in some ways. I feel like terrorist gets thrown around really easily of course. here. It's like not We got news. called terrorists at some really? point. So By it, who? I mean, if you look at like 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 com- comments on like videos or like on Twitter on like
0: just don't. Yeah, yeah, you it's just like yeah. no,
1: just don't. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you do, you see, you know, people use words like that. Yeah. So.
0: Well, so one thing fun. I've noticed is that before we had the march two weeks ago, or before you know, you guys. Um, were able to get the march off the ground. There was a lot of talk on the Facebook group and online about, you know, we're probably going to see counter-protesters, a Mm. lot of these uyokodantai-type, like, you know, ultra-nationalist people are going to show up and counter-protest and antagonize. I I think I heard maybe one story of some counter-protesters trying to organize during the march, but I don't think anything really came of it, and I personally saw nothing. I was surprised, because I I thought we were going to see, like, some... Older conservative types showing up, and I, I think everything pretty much went down peacefully.
1: Yeah, so I'm not sure exactly where in the line you guys were. I was in
0: the front, almost like very close to you, actually. Okay, it's kind yeah. of in the middle. Yeah,
1: yeah. I remember seeing when we were marching when we got close to the station. Apparently, there was a group of counter protesters near oh, really? the station. Um, but from what I heard, they didn't have a march permit, permit just like mm. a standing permit, so they uh-huh. had to stay in one spot. And the police were around them. And then uh, crack. if you're familiar, Counter-Racist Action Oh, Coalition. yeah, yeah, okay. actually,
0: C-R-A-C, yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: they had organized a counter-protest to their counter-protest. <laughs> of course. And, Inception of
0: protest, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yes. So, uh, from what I, from what I, I didn't see too much of it, but from what I saw and heard, it was like... The counter-protesters were surrounded by the counter-counter-protesters <laughs> oh drowning them out. So they were never even seen. Awesome. Also, wow. their permit, the, the counter-protester permit ran out. Okay. Um. So they had to go home.
0: That was a specific counter-protest permit
1: that they had to get? or they, So anyone who wants to protest at any time, if you're over a certain number of over like 10 people, you're yeah. supposed to get a permit. So yes, they got right. a permit to protest our okay, march. Yeah. Yeah. To
0: counter-protest, right? <laughs> wow. Got it. So it's not that it was a different permit, but they had to apply for the same kind of the, thing. They had yeah.
1: to apply for the same kind of thing with the right. police, yeah.
0: Got it. Yeah, I guess um, maybe we can talk about that for a second. That's sort of an interesting thing about Japan that doesn't surprise you that much, especially if you listen to our last episode, which yeah. was about bureaucracy in Japan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. of course, you know, you think of protesting in general as being this sort of thing that's just sort of snowballs and it's initially motivated yeah grassroots (laughs) like people's passion but in Japan you know there's avenues and you you like you have to be applying for the specific permit to be able to have a movement and yeah, it's it's all very regulated. I think you guys had to register the exact route that we would march, right? Yes. And um, you had to designate certain officers that would sort of be like police liaisons and things like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, we had armbands, and it was all very official looking. Yeah. yeah.
0: But you know, so like when I first was uh, hearing about all that, the permit stuff, when I was part of like the um, the translation team and the design team, you know, I was in these Facebook groups and the uh, message threads. I was just thinking, like, oh, this is so Japanese, it's a hassle, like, protesting should almost be more raw, like, we shouldn't have to apply for a permit, yeah. because we're fighting the power or something, but to the Japanese authorities' credit, like, the police guys, sometimes they were a little loud on the loudspeakers, and I was like, you're drowning us out by trying to help us get through traffic, but they really were just trying to make sure everyone was safe. Yeah, and, like, I was
2: really surprised yeah. by, like, how how kind they were, and how how devoted they were to making sure this thing whole all went well and we have a safe route you know i saw like you know when we were turning a corner at one point i saw like all these policemen like running like there's like 20 30 of them running mm-hmm. all right we have to go to this next spot and <laughs> yeah. they're running and make sure everything was going well so i was I, don't know, I was pretty impressed by the way that the japanese police handled it
1: yeah yeah i don't know i always have i kind of get like a mixed feelings about it mm-hmm. because on the one hand i don't want to I'm not like pro-police or anything yeah. like that. And Black Lives Matter, I think at its core, is not very pro-police. Right. But on the other hand, I I went into the march expecting the police to be more antagonistic and maybe hurry us along. Mm-hmm. I even thought that maybe at some point they cut off the number of people who could march because mm-hmm. so many more, m- many more people than the permit we had. Showed
0: up. Oh, really? Okay.
1: So you know, I I was worried about that, but you know, I think I, I gotta say I'm kind of grateful. You know, they allowed yeah. everyone to exercise their right, yeah. and and it is our right. Like even yeah. f- as foreigners here, we have a right to um, protest, and yeah. they let everyone who showed up that day exercise that right. And yeah, yeah,
0: I'm thankful for that too. Yeah. And you know, I totally identify with uh, all the sentiment that you just expressed because it's something I've struggled with in in my head myself. It's like, I want to be able to express my gratitude for the certain things that the Japanese police have done to, for example, like help this protest along, even though a part of me has, like, takes issue with the fact that we even need to ask for the permission. But I do think that the police institution here in Japan is very different from the police institution in America. And while there's still definitely problems with the police institution here in Japan, it is like a totally different landscape, not just racially, but in terms of the way that the police are set up in Japan. I guess um, we actually had an episode about this as well, the law enforcement in Japan. Yeah. And um, yeah, I guess I, I would love to hear more from you about how you see those problems being regarded here in Japan, not just by other foreigners, but by Japanese people. Like, what do you think the understanding of the issues with police violence back in the States are here in, in terms of like, I think I can expect your answer, but do you think the average Japanese person really understands what's going on? Maybe more now than a couple of weeks ago? or
1: um, Maybe more now, but I still feel like there are a lot of Japanese people who are kind of closed off to the idea that there is a problem. Yeah. Or that they feel like that because the problem is lesser here than it is in the States, mm-hmm. that maybe we shouldn't care as much. Or that like me as a foreigner and as a black foreigner, you know, mm-hmm. that I should be grateful or happy that the police aren't going to pull out a gun and shoot me. Right. And on the one hand, yeah, I, I am grateful for that. But on the other hand, it's still, a, you know, very annoying, inconvenient, mm-hmm. and it feels targeted when pretty much any time I enter a new town in Japan, I get stopped.
3: Yeah. Really. And I get
1: carded. And so, really? yeah, I actually, um, two days ago, I got carded try- in the in the train station, yeah. trying to switch train lines. I was very obviously switching train lines.
3: When
0: you say carded, you mean a police officer or some sort of authority figure comes up and asks to see your Gaijin card? Your yes. Zyabu card? Yes. Okay, so I'm not that surprised, but it, it is, like, to hear it from your mouth is really upsetting to me because I've been living here for four years, only a year y- longer than you, but... The amount of times that's happened to me is a handful at most, like I can probably can't count it on one hand, and it sounds like you're saying that this happens to you somewhat frequently
1: pretty frequently. I mean you know i I would say every three to four months' because I don't go to that many new places, yeah. you know, I kind of stick to to where I know, yeah. but it's also it's kind of a thing for me like when I go into a new town, even coming here today, mm-hmm. I get kind of finicky because I'm like you know, once a police officer sees me, they're probably going to try and stop me because they've never seen me around here before. Yeah. And it's just something that I have to remember and and have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's annoying that I don't really have the vocabulary because I know we have a right to ask them why they're stopping
3: you. Yeah.
1: But I mean, yeah, it's annoying that I don't really have the vocabulary to push back or I'm just in such a hurry and that I don't really want to pushback because yeah I I don't want it to take longer than it has to
3: that's the
0: worst feeling right I'll just say real quick I'm not trying to liken my experiences to yours because I like I just said I think it's really upsetting that you have to deal with it even every three to four months because some people might say like oh that's every three to four months you get stopped and asked you know to show your card like big deal but I'm telling you like as a white foreigner here that happens to me maybe once a year so that's a material difference that's like happening three times more often for you at least And I just think it's even though it's not the same as being shot down by the police You know being gunned down. It's like it's this undue burden of suspicion and it's just I'm sure it's really annoying to deal with and um, Yeah, I mean
1: I, That's the thing too. It's it's like you said undue burden of suspicion. You know legally they're only supposed to stop you If they have some reason to suspect you of doing something Mm -hmm. and almost every time I've been stopped I've been doing completely obvious normal things like Like, walking like well like switching train lines or carrying groceries Mm -hmm. or I'm just trying to get home in the pouring rain and so you know it's just kind of like why you can see, obviously, what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean,
2: they're bored. They have nothing else better to do. That is part of it, right? That is part you of it. Help you you can't but think you, can that's part see, of it. you can see the boredom on their face, and they're like, the old... I mean, Japanese people don't do anything bad, so borders <laughs> must do the bad things. But that, that has to be part
0: of it. Like, not to take away from the aspect of it that's inherently racist, but Japan is such a relatively safe, like, first world democracy, and for those who are just, might maybe just listening to this, I'm putting air quotes up, um... But anyways, it's like, I feel like the cops have so little to do here by way of actual crime that it makes them more likely to stop people, like, especially foreigners and especially black foreigners.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I And I think it's almost a form of bullying, too, um, not just for the foreigners, but um, one time when I was stopped, it was actually I just moved mm-hmm. to Saitama. And I had uh, my boyfriend's bike, Mm -hmm. and it was brand new. And I was um, going to do some shopping. Oh, I
0: see where this is going. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I was going to do some shopping, and these three police officers walked by. You can tell they probably just got off their lunch break.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And I passed them, and I just knew. I just knew. And next thing I know, they had sent the youngest one back Mm. to stop me. And not only check my card, but check my bike registration. Yeah, And you could tell, you could see the look on his face. Like, I was upset because it was a very crowded shopping area and people were stopping and staring. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's going on? Why she's being stopped? Yeah. So that was very embarrassing for me. But I could tell that he was really apologetic about it too. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't want to do it. Yeah. But his superiors had sent him back to do it. Fuck, so he had to. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think also uh, being stopped here in Japan as a foreigner and being being stopped in america are two very different worries and concerns i feel like in america if you get stopped you're worried for your life and you're worried for like oh you know where is this gonna is this gonna turn south you know am i gonna be you know pinned down to the ground and mm-hmm. and whatever or am i gonna be hurt or shot or you know charged unnecessarily mm-hmm. but i feel like the worries here are a little different i feel like um if you get stopped here and you have like any little sort of infraction mm-hmm. There is a chance that you could end up going to you know, like a like jail time, just like and they can only hold you for like thirty days. Uh, that's but... a long oh, time. Yes. No, 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 sorry. Not only. They can hold you for thirty days. Right. And but they can't you cannot tell anybody you're in there. You can't tell right. your job. You literally you,
0: are not unable to. You're right.
2: unable to. They don't let you allow you a phone call. They don't tell your job. They don't tell your school. No family members. Dude, no I literally friends. had a
0: friend who got out of jail yesterday. Yeah. He was there for three weeks. I had no idea. I was Nobody like, knows. He must have family stuff going on. He's not answering. I, he yeah. just tells me yesterday, I was in jail for three weeks.
2: Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, so. Yeah, what yeah, you true. It's, and it's just like, yeah. I think it's you're more worried about, like, am I going to get deported? And Am I going to, if I go to jail, am I going to lose my job because I didn't show up for three weeks to a month? Um, Am I going to, you know, lose my attendance record from school? Am I going to, you know, lose so much money that I end up having to go home? Is this, like, just a way of kind of, like, bullying so that, you know, there's less foreigners here? Mm -hmm. Like, why don't they at least give me that phone call? Mm -hmm. Why don't they at least give me that opportunity to speak out on my own behalf? This is, yeah, that's one of the
0: reasons I put air quotes around democracy earlier, is because Japan is supposed to be this really progressive, like, first world, industrialized nation, but... And it, it tries to look to America to like model itself after a Western version of democracy in so many ways. But there's so That's many the things that are yeah, that <laughs> is a mistake. In a this, but there, Modeling there are, it after America. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, don't follow our example. But Japan it, it Japan does even by Western standards seem to be behind the ball on so many things related to civil liberties too. Like right. the government is really tight and cracks down on things that are seen to be like antagonistic towards the government in terms of protest movements and. That's why, like, I guess we're lucky that we, that you guys organized this as a peaceful march. Mm-hmm. That was sort of a saving grace from the beginning. But Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know, that whole 30 days thing where they don't have to even give you a phone call, I think that applies to Japanese nationals too, but it's obviously particularly scary for foreigners like us. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um...
1: Yeah, because they'll basically disappear you. they yeah. might disappear you on a yeah, plane like, back home and no one knows. get kidnapped? <laughs> or, like, what
2: happened? That's scary.
1: But it's interesting that you bring up, like, the, the civil liberties because I feel like Japanese national sometimes understanding of that is a bit odd. Yeah. You know, when people are complaining about us making the march, they're like, oh you know, you're only allowed to do this because Japan has civil rights. And I'm like, you realize that we're doing this because the civil rights isn't quite where, you know, they they need to be, so...
2: So, now, do you think the intent behind this march was more so to show an act of solidarity from Tokyo to America? Or do you think it was more so to, you know, showcase that, that there are foreigners in Japan and that we do have rights and that, you know, Black Lives Matter in Tokyo more so than black lives matter for america
1: it was definitely both um i think initial the initial thing was solidarity and i think that was probably the main thing of of the march Mm -hmm. um you know a lot of people seem to think that you know when people leave their homelands they just kind of leave behind the pain yeah and that's not true like at all you know i'm over here it's almost more painful because i'm watching from afar and i can't do anything especially since you know like i said people back home were kind of like oh we're surprised you cared and yeah like i did grow to a point that i care a lot more Mm -hmm. but now i'm not there anymore you know so how can i do something from where i am so you know it was it was definitely and for and that's the case for sierra too you know that's why she started this whole thing you Mm -hmm. know um, she, you know, she's from the States and she s- saw it happening. She, she was younger when, you know, the first k- kind of high profile killings happened. But, you know, yeah, so it was, it was definitely a, a solidarity thing, but at the same time, um, there's definitely more education, more that needs to happen as far as not just black, you know, e- e- um, Equality in Japan, but like foreigner equality, even mixed race, like Japanese Mm -hmm. equality. And so, we definitely want to, you know, bring that across as well, which was why it was so important for us that we had translators Mm -hmm. on the team and that we did um, materials that were both, you know, um, about police brutality and racism in the states, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: but also. Racism and discrimination in Japan. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I really. Yeah. Go
2: ahead. Uh, I, I was just gonna ask. I was. I was curious as because uh, I. am actually not certain where you're from. Like, what area you're where you're from, like at all.
1: Cause... Oh, I'm. I'm from Maryland.
2: You're from Maryland. Okay. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. So
1: um, I grew up in Upper Marlboro, but I. I tend to claim Baltimore. That's okay. where I went to university
2: yeah so like that that leads me to question like you've been here in japan for three years you've been stopped a number of times every three to four months you get stopped you get carded um how have you ever what's your experience between getting stopped here versus america
1: yeah so i guess that's kind of the interesting thing um about me uh, so I have, I feel like I've always cared, but as far as level of activism, mm. it, it, it never really drove me until now. I grew up in Prince George's County, which is a predominantly black area and mm. it's considered the richest black county mm. in the United States. Really? Yeah. So I had, you know, grown up in that environment around black people and I got bullied a lot by my own for my interests. You know, and so, but and so when I did, you know, experience racism, I was kind of able to brush it off. It was like kind of blips in my yeah. in my life.
0: Because your community, your immediate community, was predominantly black. Yeah, be, okay. because
1: my immediate community was predominantly black, and you know, my mom, um, you know, I was I was raised by a single parent mother, and my mom growing up always tried to make it seem, you know, tried to help instill in me. That my race and my gender don't matter and what I can do and if nothing else to use my race and my gender uh, to help me
3: Um,
1: yeah so it's interesting because she my mom didn't actually teach me about race Um, Mm. I learned I when I first went to to school I I started off in a private school before going to public school and I learned about race uh, in first grade uh, because it was February, Black History uh, Month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not know that. But my teacher, who was white, she read a, um, a book about the Civil Rights Movement. And I'm learning all this information for the first time. And after reading that book, um, a girl points at me and starts laughing. And she goes, Haha, you're black. Oh, man. Your people went through all this. Wow. And... I didn't want my people to have gone through all this, so I sat there and I'm like, "No, I'm not black."
3: Yeah.
1: Like, was
2: that because you didn't even register that you were black?
1: I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah, Yeah. I had no clue. You know, people. I don't
2: think any of us know that age. Yeah. Really pay attention to.
1: I mean, I know nowadays a lot of people probably have that conversation with their kids before they go to school, but my mom did not, and in some ways, I'm kind of grateful for that because I think I. I did could go to school with this worried or jaded worldview right off the back.
3: Yeah, yeah. But
1: man, did that hit me like a, a, a brick. <laughs>
0: so, so that was probably, like, one of your first, maybe your earliest memory of, like, r- realizing, like, becoming cognizant of race, right?
1: That, yeah, that was the first time. It, it was in that moment that I sat there and I realized I was the only black, uh, I, 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 I don't identify as a woman, but at the, you know, at the time, the only black girl at, in my class. Yeah. And so I'm sitting, yeah, I'm sitting there and I, I realize this and I go home and I'm like, mommy, are we black? Yeah. And she's like, oh, what happened? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, that reminds me, I, I don't know, like, I think it's on topic and I, I might as well bring it up. Like, I'd be interested to just, you know, hear your response to it, but it, it just got me thinking about one of the first times I, as a kid around the same age, like first grade started to realize things like race and ethnicity and i had certain other experiences where like i realized that you know we were jewish me and my family which is different cuz mm. i can pass for just like a normal white person i am a normal white person but you know we have this one little thing where i've learned about the difference between being jewish and being like protestant christian which is what most of my classmates were but i actually remember when i was in like first grade i used to carpool to school with um a neighbor of mine who was black named courtney she was in my class and we were like really good friends and um like i loved her and her family and we were close, my mom was close with her mom, but I remember one time we went to a McDonald's drive-thru on the way to school, and I was like five or six years old or something, so I don't remember the exact words that were said, but what I remember is that there was some sort of racist interaction between Courtney's mom, who was in the driver's seat, ordering the food, and the like drive-thru attendant, <laughs> and they said something, and I don't remember the words, I don't know if they used like expletives or what, but I know that we drove away without the food and courtney's mom was like in tears and she just saying something like i can't believe there's still people like that today and i was just like sitting there in the back in like a car seat trying to process i think it's one of the first times i ever was made aware of race as a kid and i said something so unintentionally ignorant i'll never forget like the shame i felt after this i was like Wow, I'm glad I'm not brown. I didn't even know. I didn't even. Yeah. I didn't even know that the ter- correct term was black. Like, I didn't know that they were African American. My friend and her mother. I just knew that their skin was brown and mine was tan. And I understood only enough to realize that this guy was mean to her because her skin was brown. And I go, Wow, I'm glad I'm not brown. And I didn't mean it to be mean. I meant it because I was feeling like I was recognizing my privilege as like a six-year-old. And so I'll never forget. And my mom doesn't let me forget that either. Courtney's mom told her mom or Courtney's mom told my mom like what I said, you know, like Jordan said this thing. You should talk to him about race or something. So, yeah, I don't Uh, know. But it's just weird how like, you know, when you're a kid, like you don't even you don't even think about it. Like you just think we're all equal and then something traumatic happens
1: what about you because you said you're mixed race so.
2: um yeah i'm i'm half algerian uh i don't know if you know it's in north africa and my i'm half colombian so okay. i'm half hispanic and half arab basically um and and i'm muslim as well so i kind of grew up with you know different you know, identities you know i'm i've you know my last name is gomez but my first name is arab it's like ramsey so it's like you know who do I identify with? You know, what, whatever side of my family I was with, I was always kind of an outsider, you know? Uh, I was never raised, you know, with the languages that I wanted to be taught. Um, so it was kind of hard for me to kind of be a part of, you know, whatever part of the family I was in. Um, and then, like, even the friends I hung out with, I never had, like, um, like all my friends were, like, all different races, like Mexican, black, white, um, Chinese, whatever, like, my the mix of my background of friends were just so varied. Like it was just, I was, I feel like I was fortunate enough to be able to be raised in that environment where I didn't really have to consider so much about like my friend group or I didn't have to think so much about what it meant. Um, And luckily the area that I grew up in, we moved to this area and it was like not doing so well when we first moved there, but it was a decent area. It was quiet, predominantly white. There was no, no sidewalks, it was just whatever. But luckily, it, it grew up and it blossomed and became this really nice area and actually like one of the nicest areas around Atlanta. Um, and so, luckily for me, like because I grew up in such a you know privileged area, um, and around people that were you know among different backgrounds, I never really had the experience of having to be stopped by the police or having to uh, you know uh, question the intent of a police officer mm. as much you know. I can remember a few times I, w- I was stopped, like I would be skateboarding around at, in the middle of the night, like 1 o'clock in the morning, just for fun. I remember getting stopped by police one time, and he just asked for my for my ID and stopped me and whatever, and I just did it. I was like, uh, okay, and here, and then past that, nothing happened. Obviously, I was like 16, 17, so I didn't really question it. Uh, but that's really the only time I can ever think I was ever stopped by the police. Yeah. Um but here I've been stopped multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just, you know, for walking through the station. I can remember like very specific instances. A couple months ago I got stopped in Roppongi. Uh, I got stopped in Hiroo, you know, predominantly, you know, ex- you know, large expat network lives there. A whole bunch of embassies are there. So there's, you know, people of all backgrounds and more more, more particularly there's a lot of white people there. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of those kind of, you know, backgrounds over there, but you know, I, I remember I got stopped one time over there which was, you know, predominantly you know pretty foreign, and then I don't know, Rapongi and Hiro, where there's a lot of other nationalities, why am I the one being stopped? Right. why am um you know, I've been stopped a few times in Jiugaoka. uh namely, I mean, it was because my lights weren't work uh, on on my bike How dare but you? yeah, I, <laughs> but it's happened more than more than a few times, uh, like two or three times in Jigauka, I've been stopped, I think, for the same issue, but like I think the only thing that the you know would happen was like I would give them my zaidu card, they checked my bike to see if it was mine. And then he was like, Nihon kibishi ne. like, like yeah, you is... part of it. Like, you're, like, you're stopping me. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's, like, trying to make small talk with me. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Can I go? <laughs> like.
3: Yeah.
1: Have, have you ever had the experience where they, like, write a bunch of information down yes. about you? Like, yeah. yes, yeah.
0: It just happened recently, actually.
1: It's mm-hmm. so s- scary to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's actually why I said earlier when you were talking about your sort of internal conflict of Do I just go ahead with what they're asking or do I try to search within myself for the vocabulary and the the motivation to like challenge them or ask them why they're stopping me? Yeah. Because that's such a bad feeling. What happened to me recently was I got stopped for taking like a bit. I was was riding my bike after like eating lunch recently because I've been working from home and I wanted to go on a bike ride to sort of like finish out my lunch hour. And I stopped to take a bit like a work call in the middle of this random neighborhood I didn't live in. It was actually a neighborhood I used to live in. But anyways, I'm a foreigner talking on the phone. I guess I was being louder than I realized. And some old person or some boring person, you know, must have like called the police and said there's this foreigner. Anyways, a cop shows up and he's like, what are you doing here? You're being loud. And then he's like asking me all this information. I'm just thinking, why do you need to know this? Why am I being stopped? But... Unfortunately at that moment I just felt like the easier thing to do was to just cooperate but it it didn't feel good to do that you know I wanted to be like no 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 but I know that especially in a place like Japan I'm just making things harder for myself if I if I don't give them the basic information they're asking for
2: yeah Uh
1: and see and see that 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 sort of like taking the information down and i don't like it because it's written it's like who who's gonna end up with that that information yeah. but that happens to me almost every time really it's just yeah, it's, yeah like, it's like
0: a pad and paper you know they're gonna throw it away or
1: something yeah and it's just like it's and it's like where do you work where do you live you know how yeah. long have you been here yeah oh is this your bike and it's never my bike because i use my boyfriend's bike well what's his name what's his number and i'm just yeah. like can I even legally give you that information? <laughs> like that's his personal information. Yeah. yeah, no. But I mean, I've only before coming to Japan, I had only ever been stopped once mm. in the states and it was mm-hmm. actually on campus. Mm-hmm. Um uh and
0: University of Maryland? Is that where you went? Or?
1: I I went to Towson, Towson, Towson. University. Okay. Yeah, and I loved it, but the police of uh, uh, the campus police were uh they they were hit or miss yeah um a lot of times miss um but yeah so actually it was my first weekend in university i was excited i was wide-eyed and i remember crossing a crosswalk with my friends and i was kind of ahead of them i was like skipping ahead of them and this police car comes and almost hits me he was speeding jesus and he got out of the car and started yelling at me oh my god this police car yeah, <laughs> out of okay. his police car... And starts yelling at me about how I wasn't crossing at the right time, and he could arrest me for, like, basically arrest jaywalking you. across the... That's
2: the, the dumbest <laughs> rules I've ever... Like, yeah. why is jaywalking illegal?
1: But I wasn't, though. I was in the crosswalk, and he was speeding, he and... Was
3: embarrassed.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. And me being this kind Sensitive. of... I was surprised, and I'm this kind of wide-eyed kid, and I'm like, I'm on a campus, I'm safe. Yeah. I said to him, I was in the crosswalk first, and I had the right-of-way. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Yeah, he got so angry. He was like, are you talking back to me? He got right in my face. He's like, are you talking back to me? You want to take this to the station?
0: Wow, um, dude, that's just ego. That's crazy.
1: Luckily, in this group of about five of us, there was one white kid, and he was like, tall and not big, but he was tall, and he he like slid right in between me and the police officer, and got up in the police officer's face, and he was like, "I'll take this to the station with you." Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's,
2: it's crazy though. You gotta have a white person to do that for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the police officer backed down. He like they She's like white. stared each other down for a moment. And The police officer was like, "Never mind." Right. And got like, in his car and drove away.
0: He probably knew that, you know, part of what this uh, white guy you were with was saying was that he saw that the police officer was at fault, right?
1: Right, yeah. exactly. And But the thing is, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't stand up for myself, you know, against a, a police officer because mm-hmm. then they want to take me down to the station. And then who knows what yeah. happens after that, so...
2: Respect is only given if you're tall and white. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean halfway there. Yeah, it's, I mean it's 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 a joke, but it's almost true, and not just in that the, kind of this country, but like. So my my boyfriend is Irish. He's mm. ethnically Irish, and I honestly am very grateful for him when we travel to different countries because without him there, like I I don't get treated the same mm. way you know
0: where specifically have you been that you felt like it would really be different for you if you hadn't been with him
1: oh uh, the philippines
0: really oh yeah, yeah interesting
1: yeah the philippines um a lot of
0: racism there
1: there's a lot of colorism there mm-hmm. and it's just so so obvious wow. you know and it's just based on their like the billboards and i don't know if you've ever been to the philippines I okay well
2: i feel like it's similar to thailand though
1: Probably. I've never been to Thailand, but, you know, one, it scared me because the police officers there have machine guns.
2: Oh, yeah. I have seen that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so
1: that was scary to me. But like each like nice place that we went into, each nice area is a compound. Okay. So there's security at the gate and you mm-hmm. got to go through the gate. And they're basically kind of just looking to see what you look like. Yeah. I saw, you know, Filipino people, if they didn't look nice enough, they got turned away.
0: Really? So they have the discretion (laughs) to just say, nah, like, you're not getting into this club. You ugly. (laughs) Basically,
1: they're just like, they're just like, you, you look like a, I don't know, a farmer or something. No.
0: Was it, so was it, uh, explicitly like a class-based thing, or was it just that they reserve the power to turn away anyone they can say they thought was suspicious?
1: It's, it's kind of both. I mean, it's, the colorism is class-based, so when you go into restaurants and things like that, the workers, they're light-skinned, they're nearly white. And, like, the the people who work outside, they're, you know, they're darker. Mm-hmm. And so it's... And I've heard things like, you know, you can't get a job there unless you're white. So people... Bleaching clean, creams are a big uh. thing. They advertise bleaching creams on big billboards. Yeah. And they really turn up the contrast. Because it's almost almost always white people on the billboards. Yeah. But it's, like, it's kind of famous white people. And you just, like, you're, you're like, um... You're like, oh, that woman isn't... She's white, but she is not that white, you know? Weird, yeah. yeah it's, for people that
0: are already white.
1: Yeah, exactly. And,
0: and, oh, Sorry, I just have one more question about that. Is it also partly that, like, is there sort of a um, racism, like racist sentiment that's shown for people who have more of that, like, indigenous, like, Asian uh, blood? Because I know Filipino people, I think it's... There's a lot of mix of, like, European colonizers and yeah. indigenous yeah I, th-
1: I think you know i don't really know all the history mm-hmm. but i think there's a lot of that there as yeah. well and then there's the foreigner aspect that kind of pushes the narrative mm-hmm. if i could tell you how many and i'm sorry but like old white dudes there yeah. were with like young
3: young
0: yeah,
1: like old white dudes with like young dark filipino women
3: yeah,
1: like man. it and it just, and I, and it's, it's gross. Yeah. And I got the feeling that a lot of people thought that about me, even though I don't think I look like Filipino, but I feel like people thought that about me sort of mm. because here I am with this pale white Irish guy yeah and he's taking me into these nice Areas and nice places.
0: Uh, so they would conflate the same kind of relationship.
1: Yeah. I think so, and you know, and they they treat me fine because you know clearly he has brought me in here, so You're they better your, yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> with I'm <your> with guide. <laughs> I'm with him, so they better treat me nicely. But I it all came to a head when I was act- when we were actually trying to leave the country. Mm. Um, there was at one point there was a, a female guard, and she was perfectly nice, and so she let us in just fine. But our flight got delayed like six hours. Mm. And so we left the, the airport to go get some food. And mm-hmm. when we came back, they had done a shift change. Oh, okay. The guy, the, it was a male, and he did not want to let me in. Why? He started at, he, he, first he asked to see the ticket. Okay. And so uh, my boyfriend shows him the ticket, and it says that it's for two people. It's an e-ticket. Mm-hmm. My name is not on the ticket. So okay. he's like, where's her name? and he's like it's a two person ticket they're both under my name like her name's not on it yeah. and then he's like well who is she is she with you you know and yeah and and he's obviously but he's just like he's like I, yeah she's she's my girlfriend like she's with me we're just trying to go home mm-hmm. where where are you coming from where do you live you know we live in japan and he's like he's looking at me he's like japan
3: oh man
1: and <laughs> um you know my boyfriend is taking out his passport and this guy does not care anything about his Irish passport. Yeah. Finally finally, uh, I take out my passport and I have a US passport
0: and yeah. then his tune changed. <laughs> oh, come on, man. That's I mean that's like in the that's moment it's like great, right? <laughs> but like when you look back on that, it's like that's what I had to be my saving grace. Like that sucks.
1: And he's like he's like, oh well go ahead. Yeah. You know? You're American. Yeah, exactly. Uh. But you know, and, but actually, my boyfriend had said that. Like, he's like, I'm Irish, he's American, he's looking at me, and he's like, where's she from? You know, he didn't believe that. Yeah,
0: You should have been like, Baltimore, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Put some no. respect on that name. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> that is interesting,
0: though.
1: So, you and, know, it's right? just... Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. no. Just it's just on. things like that when traveling, you know, even yeah. trying to enter the EU, you know, I've I've had more questioning than like other counterparts have like, you
0: is that when you did you try to go to Ireland at some point yeah yeah. yeah. is your boyfriend from Northern or uh, he's from you say, Southern Ireland <laughs> they did say that <laughs> this is
2: re- regular Ireland yeah and regular Ireland
0: so
1: they say Northern and Republic so Republic. he's from the Republic
0: and that's the one that is um like leaving the EU with no. England oh they're staying in yeah, okay. they're, yeah so they're EU oh so he's lucky yeah he gets to keep the EU passport and yeah nice Anyways, yeah, that's just, that is interesting to hear about how racism works in places like the Philippines because in Japan, like Filipino people are, look, are there's plenty of racism towards other Asian people in Japan, especially like darker Asians. And yeah, you go to the Philippines and it's like, there's racism for a whole nother group. And
2: So I- I'm kind of curious, what was your experience in Tokushima compared to here?
1: Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a good question. Um, I, my experience in Tokushima was quite good, actually. Um Interestingly enough, there is a, like, cohort of people from Papua New Guinea who, like, rotate out every three months and they mm. go to the university in Tokushima to um, take teaching courses, actually, so that they can go back to Papua New Guinea and teach better, I guess you could say. Um, so I feel like Tokushima is actually pretty used to seeing black people, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there's always, you know, curiosity for, for the most part, it was just curiosity. Like I did have people who'd like come up to me and they start a conversation by grabbing my hair, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, it's, I am mad at it, but it's kind of hard to be mad at it because at the same time they're, they're grabbing your hair, but they're like, Ah, oh, so you know, sugoi, kakoi, jabuno, kaite. Yeah. Like, did you do it yourself? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I I did it my my myself.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like you know the, the the difference in racism here is very different from the U.S. You know, it's 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 not the same. It's here, it's just very like unaware racism
1: exactly like you know people like, don't know that it's not nice to come up and, and yeah, grab yeah. your hair even though they know they wouldn't do that to a japanese
2: yeah, yeah, person
3: yeah.
1: but they don't see you quite the same way exactly so. exactly
2: i can't imagine like going up to jordan like oh man nice hair <laughs> 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 You too, <excited.
1: laughs> so yeah it's those sorts of things where they like, come up and just, like, you know, kind of rub your skin, like, mm-hmm. you know, is... And they're like, oh, it's it's soft, and I'm like, yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> it's skin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Do you think it's yeah. made
2: of rocks? <laughs>
1: like, I use lotion, like, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, I did have some experiences, and they would just be really random. Um, when I was teaching there, actually, and my Japanese wasn't very good, I had some students who uh, would come up to me, and they'd start laughing, and they'd be like... Hada uh, no unko
0: Wow, that ka- is messed up. Kami
1: no inko, unko mieru. and I didn't know what they were saying. At so the for time. people who
0: are listening, they're, she's saying that kids told her that her skin or hair looked like poop, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what they were saying at the time. I just knew it wasn't These little kids? positive. Yeah, they they were little. They I knew it wasn't positive. I was trying to brush it off because I'm like they're little kids. Um, you know where I was teaching, it was kind of like I crossed a bridge from the city, and all of a sudden I'm in Anaka Farm Town. Yeah. So some of them probably hadn't seen a black person before because right. they just don't cross that bridge. Like
0: and, never. Yeah. Yeah, it
1: was it was an interesting thing. Like mo- a lot of them, they'd never cross a bridge mm-hmm. unless it was for like a festival or something. And so yeah, they maybe had never seen a, a black person before but yeah so they were saying these things and i was trying to brush it off but it was very hard to do i got to the point where i wasn't like ganky in their class anymore Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't talk to them at lunch right and the other kids were basically angry that these few kids were making me upset yeah so so
2: the other kids didn't realize this
1: the other kids yeah they heard it they realized it they didn't say anything at first how old are they they were elementary schoolers, so like, okay. yeah, they were they were elementary. School. I'm surprised
2: that they, the other kids noticed that.
1: They know, yeah. They noticed they're they're kind of just like um, Jamie Sensei, Hannah Sensei. You know, uh, they're like she. It's lunchtime. She talks to us. She's not talking she to us. Quiet. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually and it, uh, they actually went and ended up telling their teacher.
0: I'm really happy to hear that. They yeah. that. yeah. those Little kids. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was, you know, because and it, it was kind of. a i guess embarrassing for me because i'm like here i am i'm an adult and i'm letting these kids bully me i should have gone and done this a long time ago Mm. but at the same time i just kind of thought that they'd get over it you know but it lasted quite a while yeah when the teacher found out and when the teacher found out i've been going on for months yeah they were so so angry
2: this this wasn't just like a one-time you know like cutesy little like you know ignorant little child's words it was like they kept saying it to you. They kept
1: time? saying it, and they knew it was getting to me, and really? that seemed to like so they
2: were
0: trying to be mean.
1: Yeah, yeah. they said yeah. They knew it was getting to me, and it seemed like they liked the fact that it was getting to
3: me.
0: Wow, I'm sure a part of you. I'm just well, I'm, I'm assuming, but a part of you maybe didn't report it because you're just like, Ugh, like, is it even my place? Like, should I just give them the benefit of the doubt because they're little kids? Yeah,
1: I'm just like they're so young. Like, yeah. how young kids can't you know hate. You know, be racist or hate yeah. foreigners like this they're they're so young it's not possible but yeah the the teacher found out and uh they made an ex- kind of made an example of the students when the teacher found out they were so angry and they were so angry that this had been happening for months and kind of right under their nose, yeah, so they actually took the students out in the middle of the hallway and shouted loud enough for all the classes in the hallway to hear what was going wow. on, and basically gave them a lecture about. Foreigners coming to Japan, yeah. you know, leaving their homelands to teach them. Mm-hmm. And this is how you treat them. Amazing. And then they're going to go back and they're going to be like, this is how I was treated in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of, kind of putting that Japanese shame, that collective...
0: Yeah. That's a very sh- Japanese way of discipline, I <laughs> yeah. think. Yeah. yeah,
1: collective Japanese it shame <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah on them. Like, you're, you're... You, they're, they're gonna go back and they're gonna talk about how Japanese people are racist. Yeah. Is that what you wanna, you know, yeah. uh, present J- Japan like? That it's we're racist? I, think, yeah, it I was, think so. It was pretty effective. I wouldn't say they liked me or respected me after that, yeah. but they were quiet.
0: But you know what? Maybe <laughs> that's what it takes. Maybe that's like the sort of the traumatic discipline they needed to grow up and eventually when they become like more thinking. Young adults or something like, oh yeah, maybe I was acting like an effed up
2: way. Yeah, maybe they'll feel the same way that you ended up feeling for that one, even though you didn't (laughs) mean it. Even though you didn't mean it, you're not nearly (laughs) no. But that I learned from that. Yeah, exactly. I I learned
0: like, oh, I kind of not need to just be sensitive to these issues, but think about the way I verbally discuss them, and yeah,
2: yeah. And I'm glad that you know those teachers were you know cognizant enough uh, of the situation to, you know.
0: That's inspiring to yeah. me that you're, that you're like, uh, Japanese superiors at the school were yeah. that outraged, because yeah. I'm sure we all know of stories where people are not quite as outraged this and take no action.
2: Reminds me of your give a fuck speech. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's another story. <laughs> you just need to give a fuck. Is that what Bill told you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> this was a, when
0: I was teaching English part-time for a few summers in the past, I, um, worked for a guy who actually just hired Ramsey, and I had some... I was, like, a supervisor, and I had some American college kids who, like, didn't really care about the job, and mm. I had to give my famous give-a-fuck speech, so. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Did it work?
0: Yeah, it worked at the time, but yeah. you can't always work with everyone. Uh, okay. Yeah,
2: Bill keeps telling me, like, how it's, like, you're, like, an urban legend within the Toshiba <laughs> really? community. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that they liked me,
0: but, um, anyways, I never had to deal with anything that sort of serious. I'm just really glad to hear that your superiors cared.
2: Yeah, that's awesome, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I have to, I have to, I'm quite grateful, a lot of my superiors in Tokushima were quite, you know, woke, I guess you could say, um, I came with my hair kind of, like, straightened, and with the humidity in Japan, it's nearly impossible, so, yeah, exactly, it was gone, so when I finally decided that I'm not gonna try and waste money on hair straightening anymore, like, I, I, poured water on it and I went to work natural. I was really worried about it actually. And yeah, my superiors are just like, oh, Jamie Sensei, is this, is this uh real hair? <laughs> Na- natural hair. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're f- like familiar with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So they had never seen it before. That but... is
0: really surprising <laughs> to hear that like in this Enaka area, like this really like country sort of, yeah. you know, really rural part of Japan that they were for lack of a better term, yeah,
2: woke. like were... <laughs> Or sensitive to those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, they were or, even you know? aware. Yeah.
0: yeah,
1: so I mean, I definitely had experiences like, you know, I passed an old guy and he shouted kusai at me and I'm like, who are you? Wow, man? really? <laughs> yeah. Were well, you
0: smoking a cigarette or something? No,
1: I don't smoke. Just because you were black. I, I was just walking by.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Going to work and he's like, kusai. And I was just like, all right
0: which means smelly yeah the or
1: yeah. there are times when you know my students like when they do cross the bridge yeah. and they like see me at a festival they're like jamie sensei jamie sensei and their parents get mad they're just like right. well first it's like why are you they, they phrase it as talking to a stranger mm. they're like why are you talking to that stranger that foreign stranger and they're mm-hmm. like and the kid is like that's not a stranger that's my English teacher yeah and then they're like she doesn't look like an English teacher oh man and the kid the, the kid is just looking like I, I, I don't know, you know I don't know what to say <laughs> second, sorry.
0: yeah no that's interesting um this is actually related to something I did once have to deal with at that old English teaching job which was we so I was part of this thing called toshin high school um, we did like a summer English camp program. And we, part of my job was helping recruit like Western university students to come teach in Japan. And uh, one thing I had to deal with one time was one of the Japanese executives of the company who also had a say in who we recruited. We were trying to push for more diversity from previous years. And he basically said something at one point that was like about, you know, like maybe Hispanic or black American students that we were looking at bringing in. He's like, yeah, but they're not real Americans. You want real Americans. (laughs) And I'm like, this was was, like, Maybe I shouldn't be saying this on the podcast. Okay,
2: dude, you don't don't have to
0: shut up. Yeah. Either. No, I yeah, I don't even remember the person's name. Um I guess I just shouldn't have said. I just didn't
2: hear the, the introduction to the yeah. part.
0: You know what? I don't even know if this person was associated with Toshin, but at one point somebody said something about how they basically made it evident that their interpretation of what Americans were or real Americans were, were like white people. Like maybe mm. people that look like Brad Pitt or Jennifer <laughs> and, Like, you know, so like white celebrities that they might see on TV, but it, that was so, for me, I was like, like, you don't get what America is. Like, it's a melting pot. Right. where We look like everything and nothing and, any. like, you know, it's yeah. not just white people. Like, no way. And I just, that's the first time I had a sense that maybe a lot of Japanese people don't really get that we're extremely multicultural in the or, States.
1: Or even, like, who English speakers are. I have to hand it to my board of education specifically because they didn't allow any more than two ALTs from a particular country to come at any one time. Mm. They were very determined to get a range of ALTs from a bunch of different countries. Yeah. And so but you know there's were some problems that I know certain ALTs from certain places like Singapore, mm. you know, they come in and they're, you know, they're native English speaker, but because they're not American. They and... well they're not, you know, they're not American and they're from another Asian country and so they are bio he might have been okay but like they go to their school and it's just like is English really your first language yeah. like it's like yes
0: it is I've heard these stories too <laughs>
1: yeah and and that's kind of an issue with English teaching in general um, I feel like as you know coming from certain countries you're allowed to get away with a lot um, as far as like hair color and mm-hmm. piercings and things like that um, you know people can't see but you know my ears are pierced twice and I have um, a nose ring and I was able to wear those to school
3: Oh wow!
0: Just fine. I'm almost surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, really surprised. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, and you know, I had there were other ALTs who had like dyed pink hair, yeah. and like that was perfectly okay. But when it came to like the Asian ALTs, it was uh... like they were expected to act more Japanese.
0: Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, I've heard these things before. It's just weird when you think about it. You know? Yeah,
2: it, I think it, like it really applies to um, especially my girlfriend. Mm. Like I think she cause she's Japanese and she does experiences it a lot and she she hates like being in a lot of like uh these kind of environments like where she has to be japanese mm. you know and people talk bad about her behind her back just because she has like her hair is like like has a little like streak little streaks in it sometimes yeah. so you can see a little bit it's not even like you know that you know noticeable like i didn't, I didn't even know it was dyed i just yeah. thought it was i don't know I didn't, shit, I didn't really think about people it care about man yeah And like people talk about her behind her back, just because of these small things, and she always has to act Japanese, and it's very real for a lot of Japanese people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Uh,
0: even for people like I think Jamie was getting at, where like you're not Japanese, but you're Asian, you're close enough, so people might think you're Japanese, or they know you're not, and just by nature of the fact that you're you're closer to it, you're Asian. It's like you should act by our standards. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But in many ways, because you know kind of bringing it back here because you asked me the comparison to tokyo mm. um in many ways Tokushima kind of felt woker than really? tokyo does at times
0: i'm not that surprised <laughs> tokyo's just so like fall the place Regimented, you know yeah. Like, strict yeah
1: yeah i think with with tokyo the thing is there's a lot of black culture and you know talking specifically about black people there's a lot of black culture that exists yeah in the tokyo sphere but there's also a lot of black culture that may exist without black people. Yeah. Um, and black people tend to, I guess, make their own cultural spots kind of away from the Japanese people. There's not a whole lot of intermingling. Yeah. yeah and it's like when a person of that heritage tries to come into the sphere, maybe a Japanese sphere of, like, hip-hop or something like that. Yeah. They kind of looked at, like... Well, yeah, that's, here.
0: That, that's one of the things I've seen be talked about a lot recently with what's been going on here. The, the march and, you know, the protests back in the States, too, is how there are so many Japanese people who are so into black culture. Like, they like hip-hop or they at least claim to like hip-hop. They will, you know, put their hair in cornrows or, you know, dreads and they'll even, you know, there's... This like B style subculture, well, where, the, where they'll use like toner to like make their skin darker and try to emulate black skin. I didn't know that. There's clubs like Harlem and Shibuya where it's like, you know, by all means you could call it a black club. I mean, it's mostly Japanese people, but it's like hip hop yeah. playing, and uh, I, I can understand the frustration that a black person here would have seeing all that. It's like so many of you think Kanye West is cool, you know, or whoever it might be, but you're just so blissfully ignorant about these real issues yeah
1: it's surface level and And
0: they don't seem to care to want to know that badly
1: yeah exactly i mean i am so grateful for all the japanese people who did show up to the march because i do feel like them being there helped push the message further i feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of people wouldn't have taken us seriously Mm -hmm. um if you know as as many japanese people you know had shown up But I also know things like, you know, there are certain, there are people at the march kind of looking for certain people. Hmm. They're like, oh, I'm aware of this black sphere Hmm. that Japanese people are in. I hope they come. Hmm. And they didn't
0: you know sorry can you elaborate on that a little bit more like who do you think was looking for who exactly or?
1: Uh, you know I don't want to name names necessarily yeah. no, no, but no, no. I, I just I, I had heard something about kind of a reggae culture existing in uh. Tokyo and like they didn't show up uh. Uh.
0: so you, you're saying that there were certain maybe like um, smaller spheres within the black community that you wish you'd seen more participation no no from, I right? think
2: like th- I think she means like uh, like more like there are groups of japanese people oh, that were supportive of right. like of black culture like like reggae groups that are like you know were right. super into that kind of you know music or that Occult. culture Got it but they you were would, Japanese you would hope but, they would show up too yeah, yeah. They, I mean they they should right because they're so that's that's what they're if that's a big for. part of their life yeah yeah that's, that's such and, a big part of their life then they should you know feel the same way about and exactly and, the, and that's the
1: thing because the thing was I mean I was doing it too being that I'm into you know fashion and being that Sierra is so well known mm-hmm. in the now. Yeah, well, even before, I mean, it was a smaller, it was more niche, Yeah. but she was really well-known in the fashion community, uh. and so being that she is so well-known... Um, I was looking around for certain people from the fashion community and I was checking, you know, like my social media Mm -hmm. to see if certain people from the fashion community were at least advertising the march if they couldn't show up. I was very happy to see that they were, Mm
3: -hmm. you know,
1: and I was very happy to see that they, you know, some of them showed up, Mm -hmm. you know, but I feel I feel for those people who are like, I'm a part of this community or I know people who are a part of this community and they say they support us. I want them to show up for us too.
0: Yeah. I guess one part of the issue that was that complicated things is that this is all still happening amid the coronavirus scare. Like even myself, there was a part of me that was like, should I go? Like, I want to go so bad, but my girlfriend's going to give me shit for it. Uh, Luckily, I ended up, you know, we both ended up deciding that we wanted to be there no matter what. So we both, I was there with my girlfriend, but you know, I'm sure there were some people who stayed home because of the virus, or maybe there were some people who used the virus as an excuse because they never really cared that much to begin with. Either way, it's unfortunate, but...
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, as far as, like, trolls online, I know it's, you never read the comments, but I have a really bad habit of pretty much always reading the comments, and... Yeah. Um, it's the worst
0: people on there. <laughs>
1: yeah, but, um, like, like the on YouTube and Twitter... Coronavirus was the number one reason uh, that we were told we should we should cancel. Yeah. It's... And the thing was, while I, I completely understand, mm-hmm. I mean, I locked myself in my apartment for like two months and did not leave. Yeah. Um, same. Yeah. Uh, while I completely understand, the on the other hand, the state of emergency was lifted. Mm-hmm. And people have been going back to work. Mm-hmm. Schools have been opening. When I did actually finally have to get on the train and go to work, it was packed. Mm-hmm. Hardly any social distancing to be found. Yeah, uh, I've I've been to immigration a couple times. No social distancing Ooh, there. That is the worst place to go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it's just like there's no social distancing happening, and people are pretty much acting like normal.
0: Yeah, and you guys did a good job of saying like you're. We really want everyone to wear masks. Like you guys basically said you're not going to be welcome unless you're wearing a mask and um, I thought that was a good move and also kind of like you were just getting at I think it's a little bit sarcastic uh, not sarcastic I think it's a little bit ironic uh, and half-assed for certain Japanese trolls um, to say you know you shouldn't be doing this because of the virus because I I guess Japan avoided, like, a really bad situation with corona, but I was personally disheartened to see how many people were just not taking it seriously from the beginning. Like, during those two critical months where I was also locked up, I was working from home, you know, like, locked myself up in my room, and I'd go outside at least once a day, like, to exercise, I'd, like, run and stuff, but I'd see people just from the beginning of the state of emergency declaration, like filling up the usual restaurants that had remained open and i'm like does anyone care like you guys think it's just not going to happen here because you're clean or something like yeah
1: so we were called like you know selfish foreigners we were told we were told you know we're being selfish and do we care about japanese lives and japanese people have been waiting so patiently for it to end and that's not even it's not true but you know it was it was kind of disheartening i think some people got really worried Mm. about it and about what the press was going to be mm-hmm. especially like the two days before the the march actually a little bit before then I don't know if you're familiar with Black Experience Japan
2: No. Okay. Are Bla- you I se- I think I've seen like the Instagram page right if I'm not mistaken
1: Uh it's 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 I a YouTube know. channel mainly. Okay. So yeah. he does um he basically he goes around Japan and um, Asia in general interviewing black people to about their experiences living
0: Okay. Cool. That's yeah. not Bay McNeil, is it?
3: No.
1: Okay. No. Cuz
0: I follow Bay's channels, but I don't I don't think that's one of his, yeah.
1: No, no, it's not his ch- uh channel. He um, does
0: Black Eye. That's He like does Black
1: channel. Eye in the newspaper, right. yeah, but this is this is a different guy and his name slips my not mind right now, but um he had interviewed uh Sierra Okay. and to basically get information about the march mm-hmm. and um, in a couple of days, he had over 500 comments, almost mm. completely in Japanese. It was the most comments I think he said he had ever gotten yeah. on a video, and the most Japanese comments he had definitely ever gotten. And they were almost all negative. Yeah, And so, like, a lot of people were freaking out after that. Like, should, sh- you know...
0: I get that, but that's, like, more reason to do this. It's
1: you know? almost more reason yeah. to do it. And, I mean, Sierra, I, you know, I was reading comments. Sierra never reads comments. Yeah. Um, And she was steadfast. She was very strong. She's like, I don't have the time to worry about people who aren't going to show up.
0: Yeah. And, you know, those trolls, it's like they didn't even show up either. I think we mentioned it, but there was, like, a very small counter-protest that showed up. Japanese, like... Conservatives are really like weirdly outspoken online. Like four chan, I don't think a lot of people realize in the West, but four chan—that all comes from like Japan. Really? Like four chan came from Chu yes. chan, which started in Japan. So idea. trolling is almost a Japanese art. Like Japanese, <laughs> Japanese bigots like develop trolling. You could say like it's crazy, man. So yeah, yeah, they're gonna always show up. But I just—I'm sorry, I'm not trying to like stereotype anyone, but I, I can't f- help but think of just these, you know, little like Nito type like. Glasses wearing, just never got any love and.
2: Yeah, I think ever since the whole issue with Hannah from uh, Terrace House, mm. I oh, think yeah. I feel like like you know, uh, Japanese authorities are just trying to crack down more on those kind of things like cyberbullying because you that hope. was that was such a big thing. Like, it was so sad. It yeah. was so sad. It was honestly devastating. <laughs> but did you? Are you like? A big I did. Terrace I was. I watched. I was watching oh, wow. the show and then like when I heard about that, like I saw her Instagram like her story like that night like literally oh. like when she was saying sayonara mm. like literally like that morning i saw it and then a few hours later i found out that oh, it's like i didn't know what she meant i didn't think much about it i was like okay you can just then think I think that the-
0: they're gonna delete their account or something yeah, yeah
2: you know it was like whatever and then lo and behold you know
1: and that i mean that is ex- that's a, a thing too i mean a lot of people talk about terrace house and the bullying from terrace house and that was definitely like a catalyst for it but i i think a lot of people are kind of not glossing over the fact maybe they don't know but aren't really talking about that she's been dealing with this sort of thing for years Mm -hmm. like because she is a mixed race japanese person and like a a prominent figure in wrestling like people did not like her
2: really i'm so surprised by that she's such a likable person
1: yeah, like, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't watching the episodes, but she did seem like a, a, a yeah. likable person. But, you know, it ascends so much from just, like, being mixed race, not being fully Japanese and getting to these positions of not necessarily power, but prominence.
3: Yeah. I'm
1: really grateful for the kind of mixed race, like, sports people who have been kind of speaking out about yeah. it. Um, Naomi Osaka came out and basically said that she is fully on board with what's been happening. I
0: love her. She's awesome. Yeah. yeah
1: fully on board with what's been happening in Japan. Um, the the baseball player, I can't think of his name right now. I know now. who you're talking
2: about. I saw the, the NBA basketball player too. Yeah. Oh, Hachimura or Hachi, Hachimura or something like that. But yeah, that guy's pretty cool too. I would
0: love to see, uh, what's his name, Otani Shohei, the like really big deal Japanese baseball player in America. I would love to see him say something. But you know, Un- almost understandably like he's full Japanese it doesn't affect him so it's unlikely that we would see that but like mm-hmm. if these really big like top line fully Japanese celebrities drew more attention to this kind of thing that'd be yeah. great it would definitely like turn hearts and minds absolutely but it's absolutely. just it's so like Japan's not that woke on, in general
2: so that, that leaves me to ask you uh, again yeah, because you mentioned that you felt like you know being in um, um, I'm sorry I'm drawing like blank where was the area that you were in uh, Tokyo Tokushima Mm -hmm. yeah the uh being in Tokushima you felt like the people were a lot more woke over there compared to like over here in certain aspects uh and i feel like i've heard the same thing as well because i have another friend uh from tiffany uh from my my friend from temple her name's tiffany rachel and um she actually was like my very first podcast ever and so she's you know african-american you know both her parents from america both black but she was born and raised over here and you know you know I had a whole podcast with her and I just talked to her and she was just like, yeah, I feel a lot more comfortable, um, you know, she, being raised in Ibaraki, where she's from. Mm. She was the only black family that was there, but she felt like she never thought about race. It never was something that she questioned until she went to America or until she came to Tokyo.
1: I know who you're talking about. She's actually been on quite a few. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. She's podcasting yeah. things.
1: She's actually been on Black Experience Japan and that's how I'm familiar with her oh really yeah yeah, yeah yeah
2: she's my friend from temple she's one of my very first friends we uh we stayed at the uh, first first semester we stayed, both stayed at the dorm okay but
1: but yeah i mean you know i i didn't live her experience yeah. so so i i can't say i mean i do def- like
2: compared to you like with well, you being in tokushima like she felt like being in Ibaraki was the same like you know as a lot more people you know because everybody knows each other right and because you know you know you you can't judge on just first appearances. Everybody knows each other. So, you know, you don't feel that sense of like being an outcast or mm. that kind of thing. I don't know if maybe that's similar for you, but like I've noticed maybe here in the countryside from what I've, what I've you know been able to see, um, foreigners feel a lot more comfortable than being in the city.
1: I was mm-hmm. definitely, I was very comfortable. I will say most of my interactions in Tokushima outside of work were really surface level, like more like curiosity. I didn't really have Japanese friend that many Japanese friends mm-hmm. in Tokushima. There yeah. were a few, but the few Japanese friends that I had were those Japanese people who A, they knew English mm-hmm. and B, they kind of push, they put themselves in the foreigner sphere. Mm-hmm. You know, um... Because
0: they could do that.
1: Yeah, well, they could either they had traveled outside of Tokushima, which there's there's kind of a joke that no one stays in Tokushima. Huh. It's like you leave and then maybe you come back when you're older, really? sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I've
0: heard. It, well, yeah, I've heard it is such a beautiful place, though. It's
1: it's beautiful, and I think that's why a lot of people return. You know, mm-hmm. when they're kind of tired of the hustle and bustle of the city, they mm-hmm. just kind of come back and they're like, you know, I want to live within nature.
3: Right. And that's what that's you. Beautiful. Yeah, man.
1: it's what you can do there, so it's it's lovely, but. Yeah, you know, they come back and they put themselves within the foreign sphere. Um, you know, we had one very prominent international bar and they'd show up at the bar and you know, they're talking to us. You know, they'd show up to like the the bar would do like a Hanami picnic every year, they'd show up to that picnic. So, yeah, they put themselves in the foreign sphere. It wasn't so much us going out of it. And I don't know, it's kind of a I think it, for me it was kind of a mix of it was just easier to say within the foreign sphere because my Japanese wasn't that great. And, you know, it's like we're all English teachers and we all know each other. But it was also kind of a bit of whenever I kind of try to exit the foreign sphere and put myself more within Japanese people, I just end up feeling so awkward. And I think they kind of felt awkward, too. Like, they didn't really know what to do Yeah, with me. <laughs> I think
0: that's, like, almost a Japanese thing, though. Like, I think Japan, that it doesn't apply to everybody, but it's kind of a culture of staying within your your bubble anyway, like... So, e- even me, like, I'm virtually fluent in Japanese, and I still, m- most of my closest friends here are other foreigners. Like, I do have Japanese friends and Japanese, like, um, you know, companions who I only speak in Japanese with, and I feel like I'm in their bubble when we hang out. Mm-hmm. But, home in Tokyo still feels like other people who lived and experienced closer to my own Mm. yeah yeah yeah. and who I can speak my native tongue with
1: I have yet to make Japanese friend like really close friends Mm -hmm. in Tokyo my closest Japanese friend is actually someone who studied abroad at my high school
0: okay yeah that helps yeah (laughs) yeah so I've noticed that a lot of like you were kind of saying too, a lot of the Japanese people who are more inclined to hang out with foreigners and um, want to, like, practice English and stuff like that. There are people who had the fortunate experience of going abroad or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: for sure. That's the same, uh, that's kind of same experience for me. Like, a lot of the j- close Japanese friends that I have, they all have experiences living abroad. Like, my yeah. my friend Shuhei, who's coming it Almost seems here. like a prerequisite. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seriously. I, I, I wish more Japanese people went abroad. I think they'd probably do it more now than they used to. I
1: think but... it really changes your mindset. Not for Japanese people, but it's changed mine, too. Totally.
0: Like, yeah Yeah, yeah. absolutely that's almost what this podcast is about yeah yeah
2: Yeah, just talking about our experiences as foreigners so yeah um actually so i wanted to ask one more question Mm -hmm. um i don't know if this would be controversial or not but i was kind of curious about the um the idea behind having the whole uh black trans lives matter as part of the whole black lives matter thing uh it was just kind of i was i was wondering like I mean, I obviously I agree with it and it's and it's fine and you know and I hundred percent agree. But is it something that is takes away from the whole idea of Black Lives Matter? Is it not? I I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's like some one another group trying to push their agenda on during an organization for a protest that matters more at this moment i feel like it's almost similar to kind of like all lives matter like why are they kind of like infringing upon like this group so or this protest the
1: thing with that is and although we didn't have um a specific like uh, sign made by our design team mm-hmm. for it but yeah. we also on our site we focus on black women's lives and black queer lives. Yeah. And one of the main reasons that we do that is because just like we say, you know, black lives matter, yeah. um, be, you know, you know, all all lives can't matter until, until black lives matter. You know, their black people are disproportionately, you know, targeted by police and by, you know, racism and things like that. Um, when it comes to the queer community and and women, it shoots up even more. And I think a lot of people don't think about that um some people don't care i mean i don't when we're talking about black lives matter movement you know i try to avoid especially with people who are non-black i try to avoid getting into the politics that exists within being black Mm. you know but it exists it's a thing um there's a huge problem within the black community of um homophobia and transphobia you know, it's almost as if when whenever a, a, a black trans woman, especially, is killed, no one cares. Or you get comments like, well, then they shouldn't have tri- been a man dressing like a woman, you know, s- sort of Within
2: the black community. Within the saying...
1: black community.
2: So are you saying that's something that's more prominent within the black community, or are you, are you saying there's that something that's more prominent, like, from the outside?
1: It's both. It's, it's both. And, and, and that's the, the issue, you know, they might've been, ki- you know, killed by a police officer, but it's just like black, you know, even black people don't necessarily care.
0: And you're saying that an, an instance like that is unfortunate because this other black person who's criticizing the person who was killed for their lifestyle choices, implying that they invited the violence, like they're, ref- they're, it's showing an inability to see that this is something that affects them too. Cause part of it is that they were black, right? Like both individuals are black. One was killed, but you know, the person who's now criticizing that person who was killed is singling out something that they see as outside the black experience.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and I think historically being queer is often seen as being outside the black experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I am a queer person. I'm bisexual and I'm agender. And so, it, and Sierra is a queer person. And a lot of times these movements are started by queer women, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and it's, people seem to want to f- forget that, but Stonewall was started mm-hmm. by a black trans woman. The, Bla- yeah. the Stonewall riots, you know? Um, black Lives Matter USA was started by three women. Two of them identify as queer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's but it's something that people seem to like to conveniently forget. Um, so yeah, I don't feel like it takes away from the movement mm. when we say black women's lives matter, black, queer, and trans lives matter. Mm. I feel like it kind of hones in to the, a, a layered problem.
3: Mm. And
1: it takes a lot of studying and maybe knowing some history to understand the layers to the problem But for the people that take the time to do that, I feel like it's the, you know, that's when you can truly be like an ally.
2: I
3: see.
0: Yeah, so you see it as shining a light on sort of minority groups within a minority group. Exactly. And you, you don't see, like you want it to be, you want that light to be shown. You don't think it detracts.
1: No yeah, I don't I don't think it detracts. I think it would be amazing if we could get to the point where we didn't need to say black women's lives matter and yeah. black trans lives matter. But I mean, there's a I feel like there's a kind of a a reason why, you know, the the kind of protests and the uprisings have always only been when men were killed. Mm. You know? And I'm not saying that the uprising shouldn't happen when men are killed. No, they definitely should.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But why don't we get the same sort of uprising for Breonna Taylor?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, why don't we get the same sort of uprising? You know, when a, a trans person. is Oh, uh, you're killed?
0: saying how it's been like Freddie Gray and George Floyd? Who, like if those killings specifically were, it seems like a spark was. Yeah. Ignited. So,
2: because the only really deaths that I'm personally aware about are the ones that typically have to do with men um, I I mean obviously I've I heard Bre- about Breonna Taylor her story is tragic and you know she deserves justice and just as many protests and just as many resolutions as George Floyd or Ahmed Arbery or whoever um, but I feel like maybe I, I, out of just my under, own understanding uh, I've seen more black men being killed on the streets or by police than, uh, you know, black women or black queers or, or black trans, or do you think it's because that, you know, the reason that people have a particular outrage about something, it's not just because they're not outraged about the trans life, but maybe more outraged about the fact how frequent males black males are being killed i do think being because they're viewed as a threat
1: yeah i oh that's a huge part of it i mean yeah black men are viewed as a threat and so they are statistically more likely to be um killed by police um but like you said you don't you know about the black men you know i know and and i feel bad right now because you know a lot of their names escape me but I know about a lot of killings of black trans women.
0: I've seen a lot of this on, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff on Instagram and whatever as well. Just people that are trying to do like grassroots online activism, trying to shine, shine a light on this. So
1: Yeah. yeah. So statistically, they're a, a more likely black trans women are more likely to be killed, period. Um, statistically, right? St- st- statistically, period. And that's not just by police. But that's just by, like, everyday, you know, racial violence, anti-trans violence.
2: More so than black males.
1: Yeah, so be... so black men are statistically the most likely to be killed by police. Okay. But black trans women, although they're a very small, you know, group minority, they're more, statistically more likely to be killed, period. Mm. And when they are killed... Um, not necessarily by police, but they're just, they're killed, they're found dead. Probably
2: sex trafficking or... Yeah,
1: exactly. Police say things like, oh, there's not enough public interest. We ruled it as a suicide. There's not enough public interest. And it's just like, what kind of explanation is that?
3: Mm-hmm. Not
1: enough public interest? This is with someone's child. Somebody's friends. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you say the public is not interested enough to, like, investigate and... And I'm sorry, but it's just like I don't understand how someone could say that about a human yeah, absolutely. being.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I don't either. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us feel like we understand that, but yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. messed up. I um I mean, I don't know what to say after that. I think this is really important to just yeah. be talking about. Like, that's why I think we're really glad that you were willing to come talk to us about it because You know, we think this is probably definitely going to be listened to by other foreigners in, you know, the Tokyo community and probably a lot of people back home. But I'm hoping that because of things like the march that you and some other people worked so hard to organize that there'll be more awareness for this in Japan from Japanese people too. Yeah. Because it's not just a problem back in America. Even though the most recent spark was back in the United States, like, these are problems that need to be faced everywhere, including Japan.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's not only a a learning lesson for us as well not, you know, we get exposed to more information, but it's also something that, you know, people can look back upon and try to understand better. So I think it's a pretty enlightening experience for, you know, be able to hear your perspective as well. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming and talking to us. Yeah. yeah, yeah
0: thank
1: yeah. you for having me, and thank yeah, yeah. you for allowing me to like share, you know, my experiences. And of course, what I know. Yeah.
0: You know. Please if, feel free to say anything that you. Yeah. If there's to any
2: you. like message that you want to get out particularly, or if you want to shout out somebody, or you want to shout out yourself, <laughs> Instagram. I don't know. Like, yeah. like seriously, like if there's any like last thoughts that you feel like you want to get off your chest, you know, please. We can even start like a whole nother conversation if you want, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, please. Feel I free. I want
1: to thank Sierra for organizing this. Mm-hmm. You know, this was her idea. I know I've been in the press a lot, but I want it to be very clear that she is the one who started this. This was her idea, and she got this, you know, off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to shout out June. I know she's quite a f- private person, so I'm not going to say her full name. Oh, okay. But I know who you're talking about. Um, you know she. You know she is an a, a queer activist in this community, and I think her presence is extremely important. And so, you know, I, I'm I'm you know happy for that. Um, I want to shout out um, Niall Niall Kinza. He was a big help like day of, and I'm happy for his representation here as like a queer as a as a um, non-binary male um, in. Can I say that? Non yeah, <laughs> <I was, yeah. laughs> binary? Yeah. Non gender binary. I'll say, I'll, I <laughs> I'll say uh, he, him, non binary person. Okay. You know, so like a more masculine pre- presenting person. I feel like that as, you know, as, you know, non kind of mass non binary representation is very okay. important and, um as well. I, I think when people kind of think of non binary, like I'm non binary, but I kind of feel like when people think of non binary, they either think of like. Like kind of just these androgynous looking Uh people, or Mm -hmm. even maybe feminine looking people who are just like, I'm not a woman, and I I know I kind of people kind of look at me and they're just like, yeah, I'm I'm still
2: (laughs) personally uh, I have a lot of questions as well. I don't know, I'm pretty lost at those kind of topics. Well,
0: (laughs) I think well for some people who aren't part of these communities, it might be hard for them to understand. And I'm not part of it, and I don't claim to have an uh, like a perfect understanding, but my understanding of people who have been my peers that identify as non-binary has always been that they acknowledge that there's like biological sex and there's, you know, socially constructed gender. And I know there's arguments even about the biological sex part, but what they're saying is that they don't feel that they fit into these sort of subjectively and narrowly constructed, this idea of there's men and there's women and that sex shouldn't necessarily define your social gender.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, I think for me personally, so I was raised in a way that I wasn't limited to what I could do or or told that I had a limit of what I could do Mm -hmm. based on uh, being born a a female. You know, I, you know, I was a kid when I was a kid, you know, I I was allowed to wear what I wanted to. um, I was allowed to play with what I wanted to, no matter what section it came from, like boys or girls section. Um, I wasn't a sporty kid at all, but I wasn't a, a girly girl either. Um, for a, a period of my life as a kind of toddler, people even thought I was a boy for a little, a little while. Um, you know, they just made that mistake. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of grew up that way. So being like, being a girl never really hit me until, and my name, and my name as, as well being Jamie Smith, Yeah, it's yeah. the most like generic, like middle generic. of the road. Yeah. <laughs> right. Name that I could have. So even when I send emails and things like that, a lot of people don't know.
0: Well, they say like Mr. Smith. Or... Yeah. They'll <laughs> say
1: like Mr. Smith or right. yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I don't correct it because I just, I don't care. Um, It wasn't until puberty that I I suddenly kind of got, like, woman thrust upon me.
3: Yeah.
1: And at that point, you know, I was kind of even questioning it then. I still identified as a woman, but I was kind of questioning it then. I was like, what is it that makes me woman you right. know like I don't nothing has limited me you know you know I hear things about feminism you know which I totally you know I agree with and I I believe in but I just I didn't feel that experience mm-hmm. of um sexism and yeah
0: you didn't yeah so I mean like I feel like people who would try to detract from what you're saying would say what makes a woman well your biology, but what you're saying is that you don't feel like biology and gender should be conflated that conveniently. Yeah,
1: like, right biologically, I know that I am born of the female sex. Right. But as far as my experiences as being a woman, mm-hmm. I haven't really experienced that. Um, the way I tend to relate it to people is my my race. Mm-hmm. I feel black. Yeah. When I, you know, when I have encounters with police, when I have encounters with people certain saying certain things to me, I feel black, Mm -hmm. but I don't really feel that same way about my gender, you know, Mm. supposed You
0: don't feel like I'm a woman, not a, you know, like it's Yeah I feel like gender is more fluid and
3: yeah I
1: feel kind of nothing, which is why when I, you know, non-binary is the umbrella I say specifically I'm agender because Mm -hmm. A means not and I just don't feel gender Right. Um, and I thought maybe when I came to Japan, so before moving to Japan, I was very much always sweatpants and t-shirts and beanie on my head, really like kind of hipster-ish yeah. look. When I came to Japan and especially getting involved with the fashion community... You know, I, I had always kind of enjoyed, like, the Lolita sub-style, and so I got into Lolita, and if you know anything about it, really frilly, flowy dresses. I've and seen just, it on
2: Harajuku, on Harajuku, I think, yeah. yeah. just... I think it's the most famous style in, in that <laughs> kind of scene, I feel like.
1: Yeah, like, it just, yeah, so really frilly, really feminine, and I thought, surely, once I put these dresses on, I will feel like a woman. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't happen. Right. And so I was like okay well then i guess it truly is like i can like these clothes and i like this style but it doesn't make me feel
0: it's not connected to like who you are inside right
1: like i can feel pretty but does feeling pretty make me make me a woman like Mm. i know i've met guys who are like sometimes i just you know they're kind of secretly like sometimes i just want to feel pretty yeah you know sort of thing so i'm like that's not a gendered experience for me
0: yeah I think there is still a lot of gray area in terms of just people's understanding. And I think a lot of that gets hindered just by the terminology because we have these shared words like, you know, to some people, woman means a biological female, whereas to other people, woman is completely just a socially constructed, you know, it's like a gender assignment. So, you know, I just try to be the best ally I can and remember that first and foremost, I just... I value people's lives, and like if people are not doing anything to harm anyone else, then I shouldn't want any harm to come of them, mm-hmm. and I should try to listen to what they're saying <laughs> first.
1: Wouldn't it be great if everyone was just that, yeah. that
0: way? It would, I hope. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much again. Yeah, Thank we really you. appreciate it. It was, Thank it was a really great experience. And
1: Thank if you. I may shout out some things that black coming up with Please, Black Lives Matter. Absolutely, Tokyo. yeah, keep going. for sure. So uh, July fifth, um, we are starting a webinar. Um, called Real Talk. Uh, The webinar uh, will bring in experts and people from the community to basically talk about the black uh, experience here within Japan. Um, Our first episode is basically what is uh, Black Lives Matter? Mm. And we will have um, quite a few experts. I should pull out their names. Yeah, go for it. it. (laughs) Yeah, no rush. Um,
0: I saw this advertised on the Facebook group too, yeah.
1: So... Sorry, one sec. No
0: worries. I'm glad that there is still continuing movement too. I think some people were worried that this was just going to all fizzle out after the march.
2: Yeah, no, I and, and I see like the group getting bigger, so I feel like people want to start kind of having like more kind of these marches, I suppose. Or
1: as soon as the games. march was over, everyone was kind of asking, "What's next?" They're not yeah. going to let this die. You're probably like give time. me a
0: freaking day to rest. I yeah. was <laughs>
1: like, give me like a week, please. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yes, so we're going to have uh, Sierra Todd. So she's going going to speak. As well as Juniper, Juniper Alexander, she will also be speaking about her experience. Um, Daryl Wharton Rigby, who okay. is a uh, black filmmaker here in Japan, he will. That's a uh, really cool name. Be spe- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he will be speaking, as well as um, Sarah Jean. Rez- uh, I, I don't. I'm gonna mess this up. Sarah Jean. Re- rosato okay um and so she is uh going to talk about basically activism mm. like with yeah she's an activist here in japan so she has a lot of experience with activists mm. um michio Am- uh arimitsu and wakako fukada um they're both experts in their field as far as um like uh it's kind of social justice awesome. here within japan awesome And if you go to um, uh, bmltokyo.jp, sorry, not dot, bmltokyo.jp, at bmltokyo.jp on Instagram and Twitter. You can keep up with um, everything that we're doing. Also, uh, Black Lives Matter Tokyo on Facebook. We have both a group and a page. Uh, the page, um, not everyone can post on that page, so it's very much this is what Black Lives Matter Tokyo is doing and our events and all that stuff. We uh, While we have 3,500 uh, people in the group, we only have 200 people following the page, so we'd really appreciate it um, for more people to, to follow the page.
2: Absolutely.
1: So, yeah, first episode of uh, uh, Real Talk webinar, July Sunday, July 5th from 2 to 4 p.m.
2: Sunday, July 5th, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, more so more coming down the pipeline we don't have actual names or anything yet but we have a, a music event planned for, for August mm-hmm. and um, an art gallery event that will maybe be in September or a bit
3: later
0: yeah well we would like to consider ourselves allies of the movement I think yeah, so that sounds great please like keep in touch about other further developments in the future we'll try to plug them too yeah
2: absolutely and, you know, if you ever want to come back on the podcast or you ever want to talk about something else, you know, if you have any ideas, you know, at the end day, we just... This podcast, you know, we just talk about, you know, our own experiences living in Japan. So, sometimes we talk about law enforcement. Sometimes we talk about food. Sometimes... This was our first,
0: like, most serious topic. Yeah. This,
2: I think, no, I think we've had our serious topic before. Like, yeah. the law enforcement before, that was pretty serious. We talk about Japanese bureaucracy, technology in Japan. Um, but, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast because it really it really goes to show that there is such a diverse round of you know experiences within Japan within Tokyo specifically so uh, I think we're really grateful to be able to be exposed to that environment and those in these kind of people
1: well, so. thank you so much for having me. I said it before uh, yeah. we started uh, recording, but this is my first podcast, yeah. and so <laughs> it's been great. this was fun and exciting. And you guys made me feel really comfortable and relaxed. So awesome. I
0: appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know if really anyone happy. noticed. There's a little like uh, centipede guy hanging out here. Uh. <laughs> 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 right as Ramsey was saying. Like, there's such a diverse like so many different experiences in Tokyo. I'm like, yeah, there's this guy. There. Yeah. <laughs>